Hello everyone and welcome to the Impactivity Talking Without Limits podcast, a conversation with. This podcast will look at the impact physical activity and sport can have on your mental health, as well as having conversations aimed at removing the stigma surrounding mental health issues. So sit back, relax and let's enjoy a conversation with. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Impactivity Talking Without Limits podcast, a conversation with. I am very excited today because this is the first ever episode on the podcast. I am joined today by Sophie Marsh from Sophie's Stories. Sophie, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, really good. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, thank (laughs) you for joining me on the first ever episode. So, little introduction about Sophie. So, she's worked in mental health for the last 10 years including roles with the Samaritans and other psychiatric settings. Now working as a creative therapist for children and young people, as well as starting, and this is like the big one, I think, this is like when everyone comes (laughs) and we get a million followers, the founder of Sophie's Stories and the author behind the hit novel. Can we say that? The hit novel? I mean, you can say that. (laughs) I am going to say that. I'm wanting your book sales to go up because of this. So... (laughs) The author of the novel, The Stay-at-Home Superheroes, which has been translated into 20 different languages and is helping now to empower others to write their own stories and, you know, as a method of, you know, promoting mental health. So, I mean, I've sold that and you've got 20 different languages. That's what this podcast (laughs) is going to aim for. Now I'm going to throw it over to you and like you get to sell yourself now. So... Hit me with it. What's your story? How have you got from like working and volunteering with the Samaritans all the way to published author? <laughs> Thank you. I think you summed that up pretty, pretty nicely. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, I've always been interested. I did you know, psychology at uni. I've always had that sort of drive to help people. And that's just evolved as I've as I've gone on. So, yeah, I started volunteering at Samaritans while I was at university and then started working in the community, supporting people with mental health, worked in you know inpatient hospital settings as well. Uh, then moved on to like family work and supporting families with well-being. Found out that I really loved working with children. That was like my passion. So I, I moved into um, playing creative therapies with children and with young people, which is the majority of my work now, my sort of one-to-one work. Mm-hmm. And yeah, part of that is, or a lot of what um, what I do also is obviously the stories and story writing. That's something that I use a lot. And lots of therapists who work with children use stories and books to help kids with mental health and to help with sort of finding ways to, to introduce and talk about things that are really difficult to talk about, you know, for adults, never mind for children. Yeah. So yeah, I've always loved creative writing. I've been a writer since I was little. So it's something that I've sort of combined my love of supporting people and working with kids and then my love of writing stories so I kind of mold the two together and now I write uh, what we call therapeutic stories so stories for children that have a message of some kind that kind of embeds support and, and ways to to help kids with with all sorts of different things so that great. is it's awesome and like like you said <laughs> I think it's like so important what you're doing because obviously looking from my perspective all I'm looking at is sports so hearing from someone who is working in a completely different field um, mm. it's going to be really interesting and you've got like so many questions to answer <laughs> this <laughs> afternoon so That's let's right. talk about I oh, know hey so let's talk mm. about your work with the Samaritans like mm-hmm. how did you get into that and like what was your role when you first got there and how did that evolve over the time you were there? Yeah, so my role with the Samaritans, I started, like I said, when I was at university and it was just, um, I wanted to do something to kind of give back. I wanted to sort of learn some more, essentially like it's soft counselling skills at Samaritans, at least when I was there. Um, It's a listening service, it's not counselling, but it it was, you know, it's a, a, for those who aren't aware, it's a helpline that's available 24 hours a day that anyone can call up if they're feeling low if they're struggling they need someone to speak to and my job there as as a volunteer was to listen and to hold space to not have any judgment to not try and sort of push anyone to feel better or to Mm -hmm. you know give advice and things like that but just to be a space to be listened to which I think is a really rare 
a rare thing actually you know it's it's natural we all kind of you know someone comes to us with a problem and we want to give solutions we want to fix it we want to help people feel better and of course Mm -hmm. we do but sometimes I think one of the best things we can do is just to listen and that was what my role at the Samaritans really was all about at that time 100% I think that's like so important like I've noticed that a lot when people automatically because of the roles we're in immediately Mm. think we're going to jump in with right here's how it's solved here's your issue Mm -hmm. this is all done whereas like for Mm -hmm. people like me for you like listening is probably our number one skill because we've got to take it on we've got to take everything on board ourselves so I think that's Mm -hmm. really important and obviously with the Samaritans it's you know listening is the most important thing especially because some people have never been listened to and some yeah. people don't even know how to talk as well so you need mm-hmm. that like understanding ear I guess to mm-hmm. you know take that on board so like do you believe like that work with the Samaritans is that something that has benefited your skills to where they are today and is that something that like really cemented um like where you wanted to go with your career yeah absolutely I kind of I credit the Samaritans really the, the training that they give you as a, as a volunteer is incredible it's a really intense long process that you go through learning um mm-hmm. how to support people in the way that they do and yeah that really has like formed the basis of, of how I've always then worked whether it's with adults or children yeah um that yeah that the core of my work is just to listen and to uh, to just give people permission to be however they are however they're feeling not try and rush people out of their feelings not try and convince them they shouldn't be feeling that way and again it's often well-meaning isn't it we're like oh how can we help what do we say to like Mm -hmm. make this better and sometimes you can't and and even when you can maybe you have got some great ideas and some great support and you know I've got lots more skills now that can help people but if you don't have that first you don't have that foundation of listening someone tell their story and talk about how they're feeling you're not really going to get anywhere um you you have to have that first I think so yeah it definitely has like been the foundation for me Mm -hmm. and did you say you was doing that volunteering role that went whilst you were studying at university or was that something that encouraged you to go into studying yeah no it was that was while I was studying so while I was at university I started in my first year and and stayed with them through through my studies so what was it that you did actually study at university I did psychology at university and well I'm psychology was my major and I minored in Spanish because I couldn't choose so I I did a little bit of Spanish while I was there as well there we go (laughs) just a note to listeners we will not be translating this into Spanish (laughs) at any point today so glad to hear it yeah no I'd crack under pressure I've got like hello and that's it um so like obviously you've gone from psychology like you were studying that at university and obviously working with Samaritans how did you find that transition or how did the transition come about to like focusing in on creative therapy so like what was your decision making behind going from psychology into the creative therapy yeah it's a good question I think a part of it like I said was wanting to work with children and young people realizing that's something that I really really enjoyed and loved doing yeah and so naturally when you're working with children young people they often don't have the words to be able to to talk through what's bothering them or what's happened in their lives mm-hmm. um or they don't have the you know it's not their natural way to communicate to sit and talk you know they want to play they want to create and that's um that's how I then learned to get on their level and to use you know how they naturally communicate in order to sort of support them um and yeah I think it's also you know like you said like a lot of people don't know how to listen but a lot of people don't know how to talk we're often and when things are really really difficult if we're talking about trauma if we're talking about mental health if we're talking about um the things that are really deep and difficult finding words sometimes can feel almost impossible you know getting physically saying them even if you have them getting saying them out loud can feel so so difficult for so many people no matter what age you are mm-hmm. and so being able to find other ways creative ways to express yourself you know whether that's art or music or writing or whatever it might be that can really help people they don't have to say it out loud they can they can find a way that feels most comfortable for them they can they don't have to sit and tell me they can sit and show me you know there's mm-hmm. there's other yeah. ways and that that can be really really helpful and that's something that I love that you know you don't I mean I'm a writer I obviously rely on words I love words yeah, but yeah. we don't have to use words and sometimes especially with trauma and that's a lot of my my work is trauma-based and often you know 
trauma isn't stored in our memories in words it's it's mm -hmm. pictures it's it's sensations it's it's feelings it's it's messy it, it doesn't have this nice clear you know a to b yeah um, of course yeah to go with it so yeah so using creative therapies in that instance i think is is kind of necessary you know there's yeah. sometimes there's, there's not another way so so that like yeah. brings up like a couple of things for me so mm -hmm. like obviously from my personal perspective when i was growing up i was given this you know big man you're the shoulder to cry on sort of stereotype that's what i was told to do and this is from a young age so and that led to me going into adulthood without the ability i guess to open up and talk so my first question and then we'll go back again is is creative therapy something that you know obviously now i'm through you know i'm recovering from my problems and i'm putting this podcast out here so clearly i can talk but there's some people out there who you know haven't got this platform or aren't confident with that so is creative therapy something that can be adapted to people who are older who may be in a situation where they feel like they can't talk and would rather go down that route or is that just something that is focused on younger people yeah no absolutely i think creative therapies is for any any age if people are open to it you know and it's not for everybody some people yeah. would rather um you know maybe not even go to therapy at all maybe speak they've got support to friends or family or colleagues and and that works for them um or perhaps you know they're they're more than happy to sit and to to talk things through and they don't want to do anything creative that's yeah. not for them and that's fine but for people who have in uh, maybe a bit of a curiosity there or who are who are naturally creative or who would like to explore something where they don't have to sit and talk necessarily yeah creative therapies can be um helpful for any age whatsoever there's there's no um like upper limit for that at all yeah yeah do you tend to find that obviously through like the creative things so the stories everything like that conversations start to happen you know a little bit more naturally so is that the idea of behind it not necessarily sometimes um I think this is this is the thing, especially with children, but it can be for adults too, that is great about using different creative tools in, in the therapy setting, is that you don't need words. So somebody could come, um, you know, for a how many sessions with a creative therapist like me and wouldn't necessarily have to tell me anything. We wouldn't necessarily have to talk much at all. And they could get a lot from that, from expressing themselves in a different way and from doing a lot sort of internally. Uh, but equally, a lot of people, especially adults, will find that as time goes on and they're creating and they're expressing themselves in different ways, that they will naturally be able to then open up a bit more and mm -hmm. to speak. Um, and that that confidence can grow slowly and that, yeah, it can kind of open the door to talk about things in a different way. Because, again, when we're using our when we're speaking, it's very it's our logical brain. It's mm -hmm. um, it's our like the the left side of our brain. It's it's everything that is. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, logical thinking. Yeah, of course. And when we're using something creative, when we're not using words, that goes into the creative side of our brain, the other side of our brain, mm -hmm. and we're able to access things that are maybe we're not conscious of, that aren't logical thoughts, and feelings aren't logical quite often, you know, yeah, they're, they're yeah, just yeah, there, yeah. and we, we can't say why it's something that's kind of in our body, it's something that's, that's sort of under the surface, that's subconscious, mm -hmm. and so when we use creative stuff that helps that stuff come to the surface and then you can look at it and be like huh what's that about and then yeah, use yeah, yeah. the sort of logical brain to to interpret it and be like oh yeah that makes sense actually I can see mm -hmm. how those things link or yeah. um so yeah creative therapy can kind of join the two parts of your brain and sort of work with the conscious and the subconscious and yeah bring together the logic and the feelings which I think is is a really powerful thing to be able to do yeah, 100%. I think that's like so important and seeing that like so many different pathways for people to help get um, help get support with their mental health. So obviously with me coming from a sporting background and using sport as the tool, mm -hmm. I think we're in I'm like we're sort of in the same boat. Um, I use my sessions if no one comes and talks to me at the end of the session, but they're still coming back week in, week out or whenever I do them. They're clearly getting something out of it. And the same with the workshops um, that I do. And so I really do think that is important to stress that 
there are other ways of you know coping with your mental health like don't get me wrong talking is a massive thing but like you said there's other ways of coming to that point mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. rather than just going straight down like the talking therapy like the sport there's your creative therapy where mm -hmm. you're playing to your own strengths to make yourself mm -hmm. feel comfortable so like with that in mind mm -hmm. do you think that it's well, i was speaking to a few people that were a few workshops about accessibility with mm -hmm. you know different therapies and stuff one do you think that like creative therapy is accessible for as many people as it should be and do you believe it should be encouraged more so for example in school settings i know people obviously do arts and different creative you know things in on the curriculum but do you think it should be encouraged more as a form of therapy or something that people can do to you know i guess find their place of peace yeah absolutely i love that find their place of peace that's beautiful um yeah i think for sure i think you know i'm sure you've seen it's the same with um with sport and with with the arts they're they're not valued um within educational settings really as they should be i don't think uh, they're not funded in the way that they used to be and the, the emphasis isn't there and that's such a shame for so many reasons because those those kind of activities are so important for for so many reasons and yeah i do think it should be something that more of an emphasis is placed on you know i go into schools as a creative therapist so it it is out there and there is support there um but i think perhaps with adults it's maybe not as as common as it could be like lots yeah. of counselors you know they they work in a very um in in a they they talk and that's fine and that's what yeah. that's what works for a lot of people and that's amazing but i think it's important to have kind of different different tricks up your sleeve different tools in your yeah. toolkit essentially so that you can make sure that you're supporting the person in the way that um, that they need mm -hmm. and in the way that's best for them and whether that's you know sport or art or talking or something completely different it's it's yeah making sure that yeah people can access can access the support that they need at the time that they need it and mm -hmm. yeah i think there's more that could be done for sure yeah so like with that in mind obviously we've had everyone knows we've had covid for the last it seems like about 10 years um, <laughs> it's, it's been a while at this point do you think because i've noticed now things are starting to return to normal sport is being you know used and utilized in I think a very good way and we've had loads of athletes coming out and talking about their own personal stories my question is though during lockdown obviously everyone's locked indoors do you think like you know are you seeing everyone doing their creative like things do you think that's something that was like people have come across like naturally I guess like finding their creative side and then if so like with kids that you're working with are you finding a difference now you've gone back into schools when you're doing the therapy with them yeah that's interesting actually i, I do think uh the the lockdown for a lot of people obviously some people have had you know horrendous experiences of lockdown we've all had you know huge stresses regardless i think but yeah a lot of people did find if they were lucky enough you know to be able to not have to be worried about health and finances and things like that did yeah. find and they had the the space you know if they weren't at work they're on furlough or whatever they had space but okay what what do I like? Like what, yeah. what's important to me? Like, what do I want to do? How do I want to spend my time if, you know, suddenly they're, they're off work? And so, yeah, for a lot of people, I think creativity was part of that. And, mm. you know, having creative projects, things that you can do at home, you know, we're stuck indoors. What can you do from home? Maybe people, you know, pick up their knitting or like yeah. start painting or do whatever it is, you know, um, start working on that novel that they've had in the back of their mind for the past oh, like, 20 can... years or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So um, it kind of it gave people the space to do that. And that's that's the thing, you know, for creativity requires space. You know, it's not something that you can just like shove into, you know, five minutes in your lunch break when you've, you've got this, that and the other going on. It's something that, yeah, you do need space for and time for. So, yeah, I think a lot of people did find that they were kind of reconnecting with some creativity over lockdown. Um, personally, I haven't seen a difference in children in, in that sense, in terms of more or less, because a lot of children live in a creative world yeah. anyway yeah, that's their that's their kind of that's their normal mm -hmm. um i've seen a huge increase in anxiety in children post lockdown mm -hmm. for sure yeah. um there's a, there's a lot of worry around a lot of stress 
but yeah in terms of children's creativity i haven't seen that difference but i think with with adults there's definitely a lot of people have have reconnected or have found things that that they enjoy that are important to them over lockdown which is lovely yeah and it's a brilliant segue it's almost like i'm a good podcast presenter here <laughs> so <laughs> obviously over lockdown i was i believe it was the first lockdown you obviously then go and create the stay-at-home superheroes so tell me tell me a bit about that so tell me how it came about had, had that been something you'd wanted to do for ages and like it's just explain the success of it to everyone <laughs> yeah i like that segue that was good um hey. yeah so yeah obviously what was it march 2020 um we i i had the news that we were going to be going into lockdown I at that time had quite a busy case. I was going into lots of different schools and seeing lots of children who were having a really, really tough time. And, you know, we had a week to try and prepare these children for what was about to happen. You know, they were losing for a lot of them. School was their safe place. Yeah, that was where they went to kind of escape maybe things that were difficult at home. Um, and it was where they had access to to other support and to therapy. So, so losing that for we don't know how long and for a reason that was very scary and very confusing and no one really understood what was going on how bad it was how bad it could be how long it was going to there were so many unanswered questions and so much anxiety around and you know people were looking to schools and to teachers and to therapists like me to be like what do we do what do we say how do we explain this to the kids and so I was like I have to I have to do something here I need to I need to write something so I decided to write a story to try and explain to the children what was going on and what was about to happen and to try and make it something that instead of to kind of counteract all that fear and anxiety I was like mm -hmm. okay how can I make this something that feels empowering that gives them some kind of sense of control in a situation that is understandably very confusing and very scary and also how do I give you know parents and adults a way to talk to the children about this in a mm -hmm. way that is like child appropriate and child friendly and so I came up with this idea of the being a stay home superhero. So children sort of being given or everyone, you know, being given this this really important task to try and save the world by staying at home. And their their superpower was staying at home and turning something really quite uh, potentially very boring. <laughs> essentially, we know it was we know it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, turning something very boring into something exciting that, you know, you're not just staying at home, you're saving the world. Like you're a superhero. Yeah. This is amazing. Um, and that, you know, that's how we support all the you know, the doctor superheroes and mm -hmm. um, everyone else who's working to to fix the problem and to deal with with COVID. Um, so I wrote that very quickly. It was like really mm -hmm. important to me that I kind of got it out into the world as fast as I could and shared it with the children as fast as I could so that that could support them. And I think it was just because I managed to do it so quickly and because it was such a time sensitive thing, mm -hmm. people really needed it. People didn't know what to say to children and didn't know how to explain it and didn't know how to make them feel better. Mm -hmm. And then they came across this story and were like, oh, yeah, this i have something i can i can give them something now rather than because you know, we didn't have the answers as adults we were confused and so so yeah it caught on and was shared a lot um around different school networks and on the internet and the power of social media kind of it was shared um and then eventually sort of like you said into lots of different languages all over the world um and it just kind of yeah took on its own momentum um which was a really amazing amazing thing to be a part of and to mm -hmm. to to see unfold and to for me to have that positive focus over the lockdown as well was was amazing so yeah i was yeah. just about to ask you like that must be incredible like how does it feel like knowing that you've empowered so many people like it must feel amazing yeah do you know what it's like it's really emotional when i think back on it and mm -hmm. um you know, it was a tough time for me that that, you know, just before the lockdown, there mm -hmm. were lots of things going on for me personally. And then, you know, had this huge change and shift and it was very unsettling. And, you know, I couldn't do the job that I loved. I had to move homes like mm -hmm. there was an awful lot going on. So for me to be able to have a positive impact in that way, I made mm -hmm. all these different connections with people all over the world, was having conversations with people all over the world and knowing that. I'd sort of helped to make things a little bit easier was 
huge for me like that really did I think get me through those especially that that first six months or so that was so so challenging um yeah it was a really really incredible project and and thing to be a part of oh I bet so like going from that so you've just released you know the stay home superheroes you start working Mm -hmm. on like these workshops to empower Mm -hmm. other people to start writing their stories. So do you want to tell us a little bit how that works and, you know, maybe some of the success stories from that and what the workshops entail, I guess? Yeah, so initially the first thing I did from that was, you know, people coming to me and I, I share lots of stories, you know, through through Sophie's stories. I, I share lots of um, books and stories for children and lots of people would, were coming to me and messaging me and, and complimenting me it was lovely mm-hmm. but kind of putting themselves down while they were doing that so they yeah, were saying yeah. like oh like you're such an amazing writer I wish I could write like you I could never do that or you know I I love your stories I'm rubbish at writing stories I wish you know that kind of thing mm-hmm. and it really made me think like oh I, I did something inside me it was like I don't think that's true like I just I, I disagree I think if there's if we're all I think inherently creative it's just how much we've sort of pushed it down or had it pushed down in us and I was like you know if people have the desire to to tell stories if they would like to be creative in that way then I think anybody can you know we're all storytellers in our own in our own way in conversations with friends and family we're we're telling stories all the time it's just the the way of doing it and I was like I think I could kind of um, create a formula for how to do this and and share what I do um, so that other people don't have to sit there and think oh I wish I could they could sit there and think oh I can I'll do it in my way in my voice but I can I can tell stories too and I can help children I help myself so yeah so I created a course to teach other people how to write the kind of stories that I do these therapeutic stories and shared that um, with lots of other therapists with teachers with parents and pretty much the end of every course I'd always end up crying like reading the stories <laughs> that these people have created yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah seeing the process of people beginning with like oh i'm rubbish like i i'm no good i can't write i you know to seeing them come out with something so beautiful that i knew then was going to help other children was really powerful and that again that ripple effect of seeing like you know it's it's not just me sharing stories it's then all these other people who've now learned to to do it for themselves and they're going to be sharing stories with children and yeah that was amazing um and yeah it's kind of going from there and i've done workshops and courses around using storytelling and writing stories for your own like not for another child but for your own inner child like we all have a an inner child that you know ourselves when we were younger that often you know lacked certain things or need certain things from us still so using storytelling to kind of support that um yeah it's teaching other people how to use um books with children to support conversations around mental health and emotional health um and then more recently as well, I've been using stories, um, creative writing to support, you know, our personal healing for adults, uh, mm-hmm. self-care, um, self-expression, that kind of thing. And have been, yeah, hosting those as well, which I love doing. So, wow, yeah, no, it's been busy. Incredible. It's been a busy, was, busy couple of years. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, the whirlwind, whilst everyone's getting really yeah. quiet, you've just, like, gone unbelievable, mm-hmm. like, levels. So, like, mm-hmm. why do you think, obviously, obviously, that creative writing is important and the creative therapy is important, but why do you think it seems so beneficial? Why do I think what seems beneficial? So like creative writing and creative therapy, why do you see it as so beneficial to people? Um, so there's two things I think. Um, one is like the writing itself. So writing, not for the people, but writing for yourself. And I think the benefits in that are, it can be huge it's like Mm -hmm. it's a it's self-expression for a lot of people you know beginning with with writing for yourself just getting down thoughts and feelings on paper not to share with anybody else initially perhaps just for yourself can be really helpful to help people kind of um like a catharsis just getting it out so it's not just in your head it's it's on paper um it can help people to kind of organize their thoughts and feelings to kind of make sense of them and it can feel really messy inside if you getting something on paper can help you kind of find clarity and make make links between like oh this is about this and this might be about this and and you can read it back and reflect on it um and for some people as well it can be like a a bit of a bridge into talking that if Mm -hmm. you know you kind of spend some time with yourself first thinking 
through and writing about how you're feeling and what's going on that it can then be this bridge into having that conversation with somebody else mm -hmm. um so yeah writing can be really helpful in that respect and then looking at more so for children but it's the same same for adults too i suppose with um with books and and reading using books in in terms of a healing and, and supporting with mental health when you read something when you read a book when you read a story and you kind of connect with a character or you connect with a storyline or a theme within that and you see yourself in that character mm -hmm. that in itself can be really powerful because you're like oh it's not just me like i don't mm -hmm. it's not just um yeah. i'm not the only one it's been written about this that there's a character out there there's an author out there who's written that so there's mm -hmm. there's a an understanding um yeah. and there's yeah it helps people to feel less alone that they're like oh no it's other people have gone through something similar um and again it can be sometimes a bit of a bridge to talking about things that you can talk about this book that you read rather than talking about yourself directly or as a way to explain to family and friends you know yeah i'm reading this thing and it's kind of like what i'm going through or this yeah. this feels similar or and with children it's a way that you know they can they can talk about the issues they're facing without having to talk about themselves they can talk about the character in the story but they're yeah. still working through it yeah. um so yeah that can be really powerful in that respect that it's it's a way of yeah feeling less alone having a way to communicate and think about something sort of safely and it's also you know if if you're starting this process of, of dealing with something difficult and you find whether it's a story and again it could be um it could be other kinds of art it could be you know movies films a tv series anything where you mm -hmm. really connect to a character or a storyline that you know if you're in the middle of it and you don't really know how things get better you know you don't know how to get out of the the position that you're in or the emotions that you're in when you see a character sort of go through that journey you see them get to the end of it and mm -hmm. often and hopefully these stories have a positive ending and you yeah. kind of it's like a roadmap i say it's like this way of watching someone else do it you're like oh okay yeah if they felt like me at the beginning they feel like this now that's the journey they went on maybe i can go on a similar journey maybe there's things in that that might be helpful for me so yeah there's lots in it yeah i think i think that's so important so just from like my journey obviously when i first started getting help started getting therapy talking was not what i wanted to do but mm -hmm. i went through like journaling the diary entries and stuff and it started to help me I guess, figure out the puzzle that was going on in my head because it was coming out in all random different things at different times of the day. And it yeah. helped me start to compartmentalize what was going on. So that was really good for me, the writing yeah. side of it. And then yeah. in terms of the reading, a big part of my recovery has just been escaping into books. And I think that's what it mm -hmm. is a lot of the time, the escapism. It gives you that half an hour or hour, like you said, associating with different characters or different mm -hmm. storylines and it it does make you feel better so I've, I definitely agree with that and I think it's so important to have those other things I was saying on in different conversations all I was ever used to was sport so that was my mm -hmm. escape that was mm -hmm. my hobby that was everything so mm -hmm. when my depression and anxiety was starting to affect sport I didn't have anything else to turn to so yeah. have it going back to what you're doing i think it's so good to encourage that like you said earlier a few people have got everyone's creative everyone's a storyteller mm -hmm. but it's pushed mm -hmm. down in a lot of people mm -hmm. so it was so good and so refreshing to have something else to escape to so now it's yeah. not like i'm solely relying on sport yeah and you know that's a good point i didn't even say that did i that you know i'm, I'm focusing on like the, the therapeutic process and processing mm -hmm. the hard emotions and like mm -hmm. going and doing the, the hard work right and yeah funnily, and this is typical of me like forgetting the fun bit and forgetting that yeah <laughs> you know reading a book that's completely separate to what's going on in your life or watching yeah. a film or doing whatever it is and like you said yeah. that that escapism mm -hmm. to be like yeah i'm gonna take a little break from my own thoughts and feelings mm -hmm. for a moment and and go somewhere go to a nice place go to a different place and kind of be and maybe yeah. be inspired by something or well yeah just take a break from it and i think 100%. yeah that's that's really important yeah have you got any like top escapism books right now is there any like reading that Ooh. you'd recommend people to do what's like your go-to you know do you know what this is again 
typical me i'm reading at the moment all kinds of like psychology related <laughs> um yeah more like books for for work rather than books for fun um i have yeah i have to try and remind myself sometimes just read novels for fun yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but it's been a little while since i have yeah i don't know if i've got any recommendations at the moment that's oh. that's my homework I'll, i need to go and find a fun book to read sorry to let you down viewers no recommendations <laughs> <laughs> no recommendations today but it's all good it's all good so we're nearly at the end of the podcast but now it's time for the um, or like the viewers or listeners Q&A so <laughs> I've pre-prepared you with these because I Thank didn't want to put that. you on the spot <laughs> See, I'm a nice I'm a nice podcast host so <laughs> we're going to fire away just like go into whatever detail you want and then at the end we will talk about how people can get involved with Sophie's stories and if they want to if they found this like really interesting how they can get involved in your like workshops and stuff because I think that'd be incredible um, if people, you know, because not all people like sport and climbing up mountains, but <laughs> they might like to read and write creatively. So yeah. we'll kick on with the Q&A. So are you ready for your first question? I'm ready. Yeah. Hit Born me. ready. All right. Okay. So this is from Sean and she says, what wow. things do you do if your mental health is suffering and does your writing also help you? Mm. That's a really good question. I like that. Yeah, I think um, when my mental health is suffering or when I know that I need some extra kind of self-care and support, there's lots of different things that I go to. And I think it's it's kind of like what you were saying. You don't want to have to rely on just one thing because if that's taken away for whatever reason, you're then kind of lost. So I think over the years, I've, I've kind of added to my personal toolkit as well as adding to my therapy toolkit. Um, and definitely exercise is one of those things. I think that's so important. It's obviously what you're all about, like mm -hmm. getting moving when you can. And on days when maybe that feels really difficult, like if that's some really gentle yoga or just a really short, gentle walk, mm -hmm. um, kind of listening to your body and, and listening to my body and thinking, okay, what do I, what do I need? But just yeah. getting moving sometimes, like shifting from that, from that yeah. state is, is really, really helpful. Um, yeah, on that note, like listening to my body, I think that's probably one of the, the biggest things that, you know, I don't always take my own advice, but my my best self would say that's what I do. That's what I what I try yeah, and do yeah. is listen, <laughs> listen to, you know, okay, what am I feeling? Um, uh, get curious about why that might be and then think about, okay, so what do I need? What can I do for myself? And just listen to whatever that might be and try and be compassionate about that and try and think, okay, you know, how can I how can I best look after myself? Um, and yeah, kind of treat myself like I would a friend. So we can be really hard on ourselves, right? Like mm -hmm. we can say things to ourselves that we'd never say to a friend if they were struggling. Yeah. And so if I'm struggling, I try and think, okay, how would I support a friend in this moment? Um, and to try and talk to myself like that and to, yeah, to take care of myself um, physically, you know, eating well, trying mm -hmm. to move where I can, being, like compassionate and gentle with myself writing um definitely helps me that's something I rely on um pretty much on a daily basis I journal a lot mm -hmm. um I yeah just getting my feelings out on paper and and kind of making sense of things that way you know you said you've got that puzzle in your head and, and yeah. getting it down on paper can help you make sense of it like that um yeah gratitude again for journaling um keeping like a list of things that i'm grateful for keeping a list of things that are good in my life um i think when we're feeling low it can be really easy to lose sight of the good and that not to not to kind of ignore that bad things are happening or that things are difficult it's not like you're you're just sweeping under the carpet yeah. it's kind of holding both to be like okay this is really hard and this this is really difficult and painful but also this like there's, there's two things happening here and mm -hmm. this is really difficult but this is good like I, I do have this and I, I can also acknowledge and focus and be grateful for the for the good stuff so yeah. I think that's yeah. really important to like acknowledge is the fact that you can celebrate the small wins like sometimes mm -hmm. the small wins are the most important thing so mm -hmm. starting with my recovery just like from my darkest moments just getting out of bed and walking around yeah. the block was mm -hmm. the best thing for me but mm -hmm. you know as it got progressively better I'd be going on the 5k's going on 10k's and then I've ended up doing 
Snowden and all these things. And I think mm -hmm. that's really important going forward for people. You're not going to get this. I think it's realistic, to be honest with you. You're not going to get this big win straight away. No. It's a long term process, but you've got you can be OK with that because you are Absolutely. going to get to that end goal. And I think yeah. breaking it down into those small wins sometimes, like you've just said, oh, sometimes good food. Yeah. All right. I've cooked myself mm -hmm. an amazing dinner tonight. Boom. Mm -hmm. There's your win for the day. And I think yeah. when you start breaking it down like that, it also becomes a lot easier to deal with mm -hmm. rather than seeing the long term goal as right. I'm going to be OK in a year's time. Forget that. Yeah. Sort yeah, yourself yeah. out for the day. And I think that is yeah. really important going forward. hundred percent. So yeah, are you ready for sure. your next question? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so we've touched on it a little bit today, um, but mm -hmm. I think, you know, we can go into a little bit more detail. So can creative therapy work for all ages? So we've already established that, yes, it can work for yeah. all ages. But what Sam wants to know is how can it be adapted? How is it adapted from different age groups, I guess? Yeah, so it, it I guess it depends what people are looking for and the kind of, you know, creative therapy is such a huge umbrella term you know that could involve all kinds of different things um but it's funny though we you know we say how can it how could it be adapted sometimes it can be very similar things that i do with children that i could do with adults and sometimes it's not that anything really needs to be adapted as such it's, it's a very similar process um you know when i did my play therapy training creative arts training we did all of the different kind of interventions ourselves as adults learning on that course that we would then offer to and work with the children in so you know we would um you know do a big painting to to express a certain emotion or create like a, a visual representation of our our journey our life so far or a particular time in our life um you know using clay to create a sculpture that expressed something um the yeah the same kind of prompts and ideas and activities that we'd use with children can be used with adults mm -hmm. too and sometimes i think it's more about supporting adults to kind of get over that that barrier and that boundary of like oh this feels childish or this feels um like out of our comfort zones because we don't give ourselves permission to be creative and expressive in the way that children do you know, children don't have those same barriers quite often that they mm -hmm. will you know you you offer them some some blank paper and some paint and they'll just be like you know <laughs> they'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. they'll just be all over it whereas you know if you were to do the same thing with an adult they would be like oh i don't i don't know i'm not very good i can't mm -hmm. you know i'm i'm not a painter or you know i give them a pen and paper like well i'm not a writer i'm you know <laughs> I, I, and they they worry about those things and i think one of the biggest ways that creative therapy needs to be adapted for adults is to kind of support them in stepping over those barriers to creativity mm -hmm. and supporting them to sort of build confidence in their ability and kind of teaching them as well that it's not about like ability it's about expression you know we're not aiming to create something really beautiful and you know yeah, to go yeah, in a gallery yeah. we're getting our feelings out like it's messy like that's okay you can say sort of becoming a kid again yeah 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 absolutely giving yourself permission to do that and and again you know going back to that what i say about inner child work that i do it's you know, sometimes people, we didn't even have that as children, you know, a lot mm -hmm. of children um, don't necessarily have that, that freedom to, to express and to get messy and to, to be creative in that way. And sometimes it's kind of gifting that to ourselves now as adults or gifting ourselves the ability to return to it, whether it's something we know or something new. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, giving yourself the opportunity to, to be childlike and to, yeah. to enjoy that. Yeah. yeah, I think that's like so cool. So when I was at uni, you've just mentioned it, like when you was on your course, you got to take mm -hmm. part in like the clay, mm -hmm. everything like that. It was the same mm -hmm. at um, uni when I was studying sports, you get to in, get involved in all the sports sessions. Yeah. And it was something, it's just a big release. So you're mm -hmm. having fun and once you see it working, it's definitely easier to yeah. deliver. It's definitely easier to deliver. So yeah, sure. 100%. So last question of the day. Um, it's from James. He says, do you have any plans to write any books to do with um, boys or like younger teen boys to show it's okay for them to show emotion? I guess um, coming from my point of view, um, it's something that, you know, that's why I started Impactivity. You know, mm -hmm. obviously I want everyone, I want to support everyone with their mental mm -hmm. health issues. But for me, it was from my personal journey. So being told as a young teen, um, mm -hmm. 
to be this big shoulder to cry on and there's not a lot out there yes there's mm -hmm. a few role models coming out i guess now but there's not a lot out there to say hey boys that it's okay to talk so is that something that yeah. you've looked at or is that something that some people that you've worked with are looking at yeah i think um yeah i really hear you then and that's huge and that's i i work with a lot of young boys and that that's such a common theme and you know they they grow up with that it's so ingrained in our culture isn't it that you know mm -hmm. boys don't cry you have to be strong um that yeah boys don't show emotions unless it's anger anger's mm -hmm. generally okay that's seen as yeah. acceptable because it's that strong powerful mm -hmm. manly emotion right and it's so so damaging and so toxic and there's a lot of that we need to sort of work on undoing and like you said there are role models now coming out which is which is brilliant and you can count yourself among that which is I think oh, is amazing. thank you thank you so important i think boys need that more than ever you know it's i i sit here as a woman talking to to teenagers or to to children about you know it's okay to to speak about your emotions but you know it it hits different when it's coming from a man you mm -hmm. know when they can have that role model it's, it's completely different i think that's so so important um so yeah do i have plans to to write anything about this i mean i have plans to write about like pretty much every topic you could i have, <laughs> I have you know i have notebooks everywhere full yeah. of ideas and half written stories and things and actually yeah a, a story for for boys and that kind of addressing that kind of toxic culture is mm -hmm. is, is one of my ideas actually um one of the things that i want to to explore um but yeah after you told me this question was coming up i had a look um for a couple of my books that i'm aware of that are already addressing that and doing um a good job of that and i wrote them down so i could share with you um a couple um there is one by someone called keith negley which is called tough guys have feelings too these are all children's books so they're mm -hmm. sort of you know the the picture books cartoon books for yeah, young, yeah, yeah. young boys so tough guys have feelings too by keith negley and then there's um, a writer called Shelley Becker who's written two books, superhero themed, which I like, um, called yeah, um, called Even Superheroes Have Bad Days, and Even Superheroes Make Mistakes. So again, like normalizing that and showing mm -hmm. that um, you know you can be strong and powerful and also experience a whole load of emotions and also be uh, imperfect and make mistakes. Yeah. Um, and there's a really beautiful book by Brittany Wynne Lee called The Boy with Big, Big Feelings. And that's um, about a little boy who's very sensitive mm -hmm. and his sort of struggle with with um, with that. And yeah. again, like acknowledging that, accepting that and and that being OK and being a positive thing, which, yeah. again, we don't we celebrate sensitivity in girls quite often, but we don't in mm -hmm. boys and no. and we should. And that's that's a lovely book that, that kind of that, um, that looks at that. So yeah, yeah I think, maybe my, a couple of recommendations to have a look at so you do get some book recommendations there we go no <laughs> i like that i like that a lot and i think that's really important um you know something that obviously if i'd have read it you know it probably puts me in a different place and mm. i think that like you said i think we need to celebrate sensitivity more in men um, yeah, absolutely. too many times people or men themselves are laughed out of situations when they try and open up to someone as mm -hmm. well and, you know, that's why I'm trying to do so much work with, you know, telling my story across the country or wherever to try and normalize it. And mm -hmm. there's too many times people have laughed me out of situations or conversations where mm -hmm. if I'd have had that conversation, I probably wouldn't have had problems going on further. So mm -hmm. I think getting that ingrained in younger children so they know it's okay to cry. And if, in fact, if any younger kids or teens are listening right now, it is a huge sign of strength to be able to open up. If anything, that makes you even stronger. It's Absolutely. brave, it's courageous. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, people like you, myself, all these people in the mental health field who are encouraging that right now um, are doing such an important job because mm -hmm. for too long, and to be fair, there's probably girls out there as well who have been told to be, you know, strong and you can't show your emotions. So mm -hmm. anyone listening who has been told that, like, I know it's hard to change, um, mm -hmm. but know that it is a huge sign of strength to be able to have those conversations. Definitely. Yeah. It's just finding the safe spaces to do it. I think that's yeah. the really important thing. Like 100%. you said, you know, you have these experiences of, 
yeah people who may be too uncomfortable themselves and can't hold it but it's finding the people whether it's friends or professionals or whoever that you can do that with and yeah. perhaps yeah like I said at first just starting with yourself like just yeah. writing it no one else has to see it like get comfortable mm-hmm. yourself with how you feel first if you can and reach out when you feel ready but yeah really 100%. really important 100 so before we go obviously I'm pretty sure people will all be already be ordering your book online. <laughs> They're buying it on Amazon. But if people want to get involved with Sophie's stories, how can they find you? And if they want to get involved in your workshops, how can they do that, I guess? Yeah, so I my website is um, www.sophiestories.co.uk. Um, so you can find pretty much all the details on there. Um, and I'm on Facebook and Instagram and um, and it's at Sophie's Stories with the number one on the end. And yeah, email me. I'm info at sophiestories.co.uk if you want to get in touch and have a chat about anything I might be able to support with or any questions. I'm always happy to connect with people and find ways to support. And yeah. Perfect. So for those of you, if you don't, can't you know grasp finding someone on social media (laughs) Sophie's stories is tagged I think a fair few times on my page over the last few weeks so you'll be able to find all of the information on there as well from me Sophie thank you for joining us for the first ever episode of a conversation with it's been amazing (laughs) Um, so for those of you who are listening you can find us on Spotify and YouTube That is where the podcast will be released, um, hopefully by the end of the week, if my editing skills are good. And then, yeah, Impactivity Talking Without Limits on social media, you'll find us. Until then, um, thank you for joining in. And Sophie, once again, thank you. And um, yeah, stay safe, speak soon and uh, enjoy. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Conversation With. If any of the issues raised during today's episode have affected you in any way, remember you are not alone and there are great organisations such as Calm and Mind who can support you. Please remember to like and subscribe and follow us on social media at Impactivity Talking Without Limits. Until next time, stay safe, speak soon.